podcast. <laughs> this is a musical podcast. It usually is. Yeah, it usually it's, is. It has a moment or two, at least. You got to keep people, In you know. virtually every episode, there is a moment of song and dance, but this is an audio program, so you can't see it. I try to keep people entertained. Uh, who the heck are you? Rachel Morgan. And I'm Corey Kraft. We're here to talk about cinema. The movies. Let's talk. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hey, guess what, Corey? Uh, what, Rachel? You might have seen her. My uh, friend Lisa is here in IRL. So I should put this phone down, is what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Oh, so our boy. phone a friend, we're actually going to be phoning her. We actually we aren't in the same room with her, though. You saw her earlier, but we were on the same room with her. Yep. But she is in in a in a recording booth right across this window. I, I from can us. see. I can. She she just waved. Hey, oh, hey Lisa. I can't Hi, see her. Guys. Hi. Hi. So we're we're phoning you from this room to the next room. Yeah. This which is so exciting and so profesh. Look at all this equipment. I know. Doesn't it feel like we're doing something? It real? is so much nicer than this program deserves. I mean, it really is. You. We probably impressed you. Yeah. No, you did. Normally, when you call me, I go and sit in the bathroom floor where the dogs won't disturb me. So <laughs> it's uh, this is a whole upgrade from that. It's so much nicer, and it's nice to hear your voice crystal clean. Oh, thanks. You know what? It kind of reminds me of not the quality of sound because the quality of sound is really good but what it reminds me of having you in the in the like booth kind of down the hall for me so to speak is when we were in college you were an undergrad and I was a grad student and we had walkie talkies and we would we would just talk to each other all across campus including in class oh my god Um, it was pretty smartphones so like we had cell phones but they didn't do anything but just call and maybe text I think early days of text I mean we could definitely have called each other and talked but there was something about getting a a walkie-talkie like while I would be in class or something all had code names that were based on the Fleetwood Mac universe Do you remember that? I do. I, I do. think, were, was I Gold Dust Woman or were you Gold Dust Woman? I think you were Gold, I think Dust, was woman. Gold Dust Woman. I can't remember what I was. And then there was Tusk. There was um, <laughs> White Wing Dove. Somebody was that. and That was Chase. That was Chase. Yeah. I can't remember all the rest. Oh, man. I don't know. But those we were, we had a, those were definitely the days. Was that what you're about to say? Yes. Good old days. Good old days. And we had a we accidentally crossed paths one time. This is not a joke, Corey. You're not going to believe yeah, this, this when we tell you. This is a real life story that whenever I rethink about it now, it doesn't seem like it really happened because it's so sounds like it's written. So when you're on a walkie-talkie, if you're on the same channel as uh-huh. somebody else who's on a walkie-talkie, you can cross. You know, you get there, you pick up their stream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and that happened to us. With who? With a, another group of people who were doing the exact same thing we were doing. <laughs> it was unreal, and we like. <laughs> Figure, we kind of, I guess, crossed signals and we realized, like, oh, my gosh, you, you know, who are you? Who are you? And so we sort of found out where they were and triangulated and talked about where we were. So we did a drive-by of each other so we could, like, wave. And what was amazing, it was like in Shaun of the Dead when they're, <laughs> like, traipsing through the everybody's gardens and yards and, you know, and then they meet the other group that's, like, the doppelganger group. And so this was a, gr- a car and it was three ladies and one guy and we were three ladies and one guy and they were like even sitting like the guy was sitting in the back seat and I think yeah and Chase was in the back seat with me anyway it was it was just hilarious like we just couldn't stop laughing it was unreal it really happened though that's amazing so this is a lot like that but more way more professional yeah way more those were just purchased at back in the day Radio Shack I think oh R.I.P. I know but we're not here to talk about walkie talkies and doppelgangers we're actually here uh, you're here actually physically today to talk to us about what you've been watching so we're we're super curious okay I 
think you're going to like this one in particular, Rachel. Um, oh, good. Okay. I, I'd never seen this, obviously. That's kind of my theme. I try to find something I've never seen or maybe hadn't seen in many, many moons. Okay. Um, we watched the other night, Panic Room. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. And that's uh, the little boy in that is Kristen Stewart. <laughs> the little no, boy. No joke. We watched the trailer uh, first. And the trailer, you know, they move fast and there's just short cuts and short haircuts. <laughs> and I did think it was a little boy. And then when uh, the credits started rolling and it said Case Do, I was like, what? So mind blowing. Yeah, tiny little teeny baby Case Do, like cute as a button, teeny weeny. No and surprise there. No surprise no there. No surprise. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. So that's, I had took some notes. My very first note is baby case too. Um, okay. So panic room. I mean, oh, speaking of Jody Foster. Right. Real quick, before we get into panic room, did you want to try out your Clarice impression yeah let's hear it let's hear it i don't know what you're talking about lisa (laughs) i just get i just get more country is all no it works dr lector (laughs) (laughs) i don't know dr lector let's take the facts (laughs) that's not even a line from a film it's just an essence of uh, dr lector let's just talk about the facts please buffalo bill please you see much dr (laughs) lector but have you ever turned that gaze upon yourself (laughs) (laughs) oh boy Anyway, um, sorry about that. Okay, so Panic Room. No, that was me. That was me. Um, all right, so it really started out quite a bit like an episode of House Hunters, and I was really excited. <laughs> no, that's that's accurate. It's it David fair. Fincher's House Hunters. It was so much House Hunters, and um, looking at all the beautiful square footage and all the amenities of this old um, brownstone. So yeah, I, I loved that part. And then there was a lot of sad unpacking after that. Right. Um, and then I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but. Y'all, they were panic roomed like night one. Yeah. <laughs> like it felt way it too soon. It happens fast. And um, I was also completely surprised to see who a couple actually of the of the crook types that showed up. Like I did not know that Jared Leto was going to show up in those cornrows. Yep. A number oh, one. Oh, Jared Leto. That's a, a great name for a band. Jared Leto and the cornrows. <laughs> yes. Why though? What was the? I know that he's kind of a doof, and that's sort of the how they portray him. But like, wh- what? Why? Why the cornrows? Why the cornrows? I don't know. I, don't I think mean, they would do that today. It's choice. It was two thousand two. I mean, it was just a dark time. <laughs> they wouldn't do that today because everybody's more woke than the totally. Jared but, Leto and cornrows. All right, but let me ask you this: His long Jesus hair that he's got in this movie, The Little Things, and in like regular life or whatever, better. Yes. Mm, equal. I think the Jesus look is is more acceptable. Mm. Equal. Those little those little predator eyes. <laughs> I can't. I can't with Jared Leto. And Dwight Yoakam, y'all. Yeah, Dwight he, was in there. He's I amazing. Love he's amazing Dwight. in this movie I too. Because I saw him in the credits too, and I was so excited. And then actually, it took me a minute. I was like, "Where's Dwight going to be? Oh my gosh, he's in the ski mask." Until he's not, and then you get to see full Dwight. Um, but yeah, it was great, and you could tell it looked almost like Dwight just wore his own wardrobe. You could tell he was wearing <laughs> cowboy boots under some like tight yet slightly flared boot cut jeans. Oh, love him! And I was like, they did not even change up Dwight's ensemble. They just gave him a ski mask and said, "Do your thing, Dwight." And why wouldn't you? I mean, anytime Dwight. Dwight Yoakam shows up in a film, I'm happy. Like, maybe I'm fast as you. <laughs> he, is, he is a genuinely, like, really good actor, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a treat to see Dwight. Um, okay. And so, let me see some other thoughts I had. Okay. This was, I feel like this was a real early 2000s type of situation, but they had a lot of those 
shots like through keyholes and uh, you know yeah. spanning floors and down through hoses and out pipes and stuff. There was a lot of that, which is pretty fun. But there is a point where you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You can do cool things. Like we get it. It's 2002. Okay, we get it. You know, there's a you know a limit. Agreed. Also, maybe if we just weren't in that room so damn long, like yeah. you said, like why are we getting panic roomed on? So early in the film. Why not? Let's get a little something else happening. I feel like I felt like I was in a panic room. Okay, but but counter argument. Oh, boy. Those camera movements are cool as hell. They are. It was cool. It was cool. A little goes a long way, Corey. That's all I I have to say. That's true. I don't disagree with that. But this movie was just made so David Fincher could just flex. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's always a good reason to make a film. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was like really stressful. I was for realsies panicked. Like, are they going to get in? And, oh my gosh! And and like when um when K Stu was seizing, like she was really going for it. Like she was not doing that sort of mouth acting that she does now. Like she was actually straight up. That's know. why she got cast in Twilight. Because of the mouth acting or the seizing? Oh, it's because of the seizing. The seizing. The seizing was so good. Wait, I can't tell. I can't tell if you're joking. I'm totally joking. <laughs> But yeah, like she actually formed words and did a lot more vocalizing in this movie than the mouth, the movements Whoa, that she does now, you know? Do you think that people show her that and say, see, K-Stu, you can speak? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I have a couple other. Oh, yeah, what I was saying is I was so stressed about the panic room that I was yelling. I was like hollering and Jane, our little shih tzu, she left the room. Like oh, Jane wasn't having she panic She was room. not having the panic room. I mean, she, yeah, it was really, it was an authentic experience. Um, okay, so I did a little reading on it afterwards, and I yeah. have an interesting factoid that you might know. I don't know. Um, okay, so who's one of your other favorite actresses? I was going to bring this up if you didn't, mm-hmm. because it's pretty fun. Nicole Kidman. Yes. Okay, you know this. Do you my know wife. This? My wife. Your wife. Let's my get wife. It right. Please, don't get it twisted. Um, okay, so apparently... Nikki was supposed to be the OG Meg Altman, the, mm-hmm. the Jodie Foster Whoa. character. Yeah, wow, different film. They shot three weeks of actual footage, and then she got a knee injury and had to drop out. So there somewhere really? is three weeks of, and I read too that David Fincher shot it chronologically, Yeah, which oh, I thought wow. was an interesting, you know. So somewhere on this planet, there are three weeks worth of Nicole Kidman of- house hunting. <laughs> <laughs> so- was she in the panic room yet? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how far you get in three weeks. Did, did they make it to the in, room? In a David Fincher movie, you could maybe just get through two scenes in three weeks. Who knows? That's true. I could. All, I will also go on the record right now of saying that I would watch 27 hours of Nicole Kidman house hunting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Now, now, Kidman in the finished film still has a vocal oh, cameo, does? right? She's the other woman. The, um, the ex-husband's new gal yeah. on the phone. Who doesn't leave Jodie Foster for Nicole Kidman? Wait, Who? What? Sorry, sorry, Mm. sorry. That was really inflammatory. Um, In 2002, no, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean to take it there, y'all. Sorry. And, um, you know, too, when I was kind of poking around and I realized, like, oh, David Venture. Um, Yeah, he, I love to bring up Rachel's favorite movie, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. (laughs) Fuck off, Lisa. (laughs) Um, so yeah, yeah. So panic room. I mean, it was thrilling. I was literally panicked and I mean, I was so panicked. I scared the dogs. So, I mean, it worked for me. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that you revisited this one. I really am. And, um, you know, it kind of made me think about it like, well, I mean, what if we built a trap door and like under a piece of furniture and then we could crawl down there. And so then it kind of started me thinking like from my own 
you know, house. I'm like, where could I put a panic room? But it wouldn't be so technological. It wouldn't break off Dwight Yoakam's fingers. You know, it would be just a little more low-key <laughs> than that. It, I mean, what you're describing sounds like an Evil Dead-style basement yes. in the middle of the floor. That's what it needs to be. With yeah. A, yeah, a trap door that's like under a rug. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I mean, I shouldn't have just told everybody that, actually. <laughs> right. Now we all know where your panic room is, Lisa. <laughs> It'll be well interior designed, though. Oh, so yeah. Theirs was a little brutalistic. It was, it was harsh. It was cold. Um, pan- I, think a, I think a panic room, why does it have to be that way? Can it be a little warm? Yeah. Can it be cozy? Let's, let, let's, take, let's take the panic out of the panic yeah, room. Yeah. It's a cozy, safe room. Yeah. Safe room. Um, well, I did you want to do an unboxing? Oh yeah, that's right. I brought so you a Lisa's treat. given me a treat, a gift. I'm gonna I'm gonna open this on the I air, like so to paper. speak. And I that's Russell, it's Russell, rustling. Russell. I can't wait to see what this is. Whoa. Okay, hold on everybody. Hold on. What is this? Wow. This is a bandana. Oh my and God. it is a Rod Stewart nineteen eighty four tour. Bandana, Lisa, I'm te- I'm tearing up. It's in mint condition. It is. Somebody didn't wear this. No, they didn't. Somebody took this home from the tour in 1984. Look, please, Corey, I'm passing it to you to see how crispy it is. Somebody took that home from the tour, did not wear it, treasured it. Wow. Yeah, and I actually I I bought it at an estate sale, and these people had all kinds of things from all over the world. So I think they were you know collector traveler types. So I think I got it from the original attendees of that concert. You got to put that in, this in a, is big, a one one time like, owner. Put that in a shadow box, like a folded up American flag <laughs> I mean, or something. It's gorgeous. I also, though, feel like, you know, I'm a person who will actually use something. Yes, and I feel yeah. like we're in a pandemic. And what could bring more light and love to the world than me wearing a Rod Stewart 1984 tour bandana <laughs> to cover as a face covering? Hey, I cannot think of anything. That that could that could take the space the place of that. So go for it. I cannot thank you enough. That's Lisa. really amazing. Oh, this so is welcome. amazing. You're welcome. Absolutely. Amazing. And our friend Chase is going to be super jealous. I know. I know. When I got it, I was like, should I give it? And I was like, no, no. I think I think Rachel needs this. I think because you, you have been wearing Dana's. You know, I, I have been. So I think you're gonna. I think you would actually utilize this. I will. And so thank you so much for bringing us not this panic room, but a Rod Stewart 1984 tour bandana. Oh, and one more tiny thing I wanted to note. Yeah. Um, I was sort of thinking about this in the last few days. Um, and then literally last night, Tony says to me, do you know what today is the one year anniversary of? Oh, wow. What? And I had been thinking about it, but I hadn't looked at the calendar. Um, <gasps> Taylor Swift brunch. Taylor Swift brunch was one year ago yesterday. Wow. wow. In the before times. In the before times. Yeah. In the before times. Last meal in the before times. Last meal with Taylor Swift brunch. So, you know, we've always talked about how we would do one better in the future. So, you know, we'll still do that. We are. We're looking forward to a future Taylor Swift brunch where I might just wear my Rod Stewart bandana. Absolutely. Corey, I'm doing a, a quick retraction, just a very quick retraction. Retractions. Right. Um, and it's less of a retraction and more of a, I should have been better prepared in a previous episode and really given you some more information on what we're watching segment. Well, isn't that the story of this podcast? That is definitely the story <laughs> of my life. Um, it is a film, Someone Great, that I watched uh, just a few episodes ago. And I just wanted to point out, I had mentioned that Brittany Snow was in it, and that was sort of the only recognizable name. It doesn't mean it was the only recognizable face, but yeah. the only recognizable name that I was able to drag with me that day. And I want to point out that um, Gina Rod- the wonderful, amazing Gina Rodriguez plays the lead in this. She is, I am most familiar with her just recently from Kajillionaire. She's great in Kajillionaire. But she's, she's terrific in this, too. She's, she's great. She's cool. very... Uh, she has a very sort of casual, natural approach to performance mm-hmm. that I appreciate a lot. Um, Lakeith Stanfield, 
who you seem to like a lot. Terrific in, in uh, Sorry to Bother You and recently in Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Uh, and DeWanda Wise is in this as well. Um, also, small appearance by Alex Moffat. Okay, From cool. SNL. Yeah. Um, and it's directed by uh, Jennifer Caton Robinson. Nice. So I'm not familiar with her, with her work. Uh, this may actually be her first feature. I, I will retract on that, too, if I'm wrong. But um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, great, uh, you know, seems like a great start if this is indeed her first feature. Well, we're very sorry we got these facts wrong, and we endeavor never to do it again. Well, I mean, I didn't get them wrong. I just we, didn't get we them at all. We <laughs> are very sorry that we neglected to mention yeah. this, uh, this at all. Some interesting folks to follow. That was uh, Retractions. What up? And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders III to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. The film Night of the Hunter was released in 1955. Although a commercial and critical flop at the time, the film is now included in the National Film Registry. French film critics rank it as second to Citizen Kane for the best movie ever made. It's in the Criterion Collection and among the 100 most heart-pounding American movies. The screenplay was based on a book of serial killer Harry Powers, who lured his victims through Lonely Hearts ads, claiming he was looking for love, but ultimately killing them for their money. Charles Lawton, the film's director, described it as a nightmarish sort of mother goose tale. This was Lawton's first time behind the camera. A British actor, he was best known for playing historical dramatic parts. Lawton's first choice for the lead role was Gary Cooper, who turned down playing a serial killer as being possibly detrimental to his career. John Carradine and Laurence Olivier also passed. Actor Robert Mitchum, however, was very interested in the part. In his audition, when Lawton described the character as a diabolical shit, Mitchum promptly answered, Present! According to the film's producer, Paul Gregory, Robert Mitchum did seem uncomfortably like his character, saying, Mitch sort of scared me. To tell you the truth, I was always on God. He was an evil son of a bitch with a lot of charm. Over the course of the 36-week shoot, Mitchum's behavior deteriorated. One day, he arrived on set drunk, and the producer told him that he was in no condition to work. Mitchum took offense at this, walked over to the producer's Cadillac, opened the front door, and urinated on the front seat. Producer Paul Gregory remembers, Mitchum was on drugs or drunk, and there were times when we couldn't get him in the front of the camera. He put us through hell on that picture. Mitchum's character marries a woman with two children. Billy Chaplin, who played the older child, had a reputation for brattiness. Upon being told that he needed to better understand his character, Chaplin retorted, That's probably why I just won the New York Critic Circle Prize. Lawton, who did not like children, bellowed, Get that child away from me! And for the rest of the shoot, Robert Mitchum directed Chaplin's performance. Key members of the crew, like cinematographer Stanley Cortez, were given a 1% interest in the film on top of their salaries. This had never been done before, and the studio actually objected. But Gregory and Lawton said it was not done to encourage the artist, but to reward them for their artistry. To promote the movie, Robert Mitchum and his co-star Shelley Winters did a guest shot on The Ed Sullivan Show. Winters recounted in her autobiography how the stress of doing live television caused Mitchum to drink and caused her to become shrill and numb. The two got into costume and performed their scene quite badly. Winters said she stuttered and lapsed into Brooklynese, while Mitchum spoke so quietly their microphones had to be cranked up so loud millions of viewers across the U.S. could hear our stomachs rumble. 
While the poor critical reviews are often cited as the reason Charles Lawton never directed another feature, Lawton himself said that he much preferred directing in the theater. In the theater, you could constantly change and amend the production, adding lines, changing lighting and sets, but with film, once it was done, it could never be changed. to side talks we are your own personal cinematic angus young and bond scott okay pretty good yeah yeah i definitely want to be angus young that's fair just prefer it i i I understand thanks to beltwell studios and uh check us out on social media at sidewalk at sidewalk film on twitter facebook instagram and sidewalkfest.com where you can see cinema showtimes and all the other antics that we are up to and thanks to Splash 96 for our amazing music. And it's thanks, so good. Yeah, it's so good. Thanks to you for listening. Bye. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.